Grow Great is a city government leadership podcast with Lisa Norris and me, Randy Cantrell. Each week we share insights, experiences, and wisdom to help you and your leadership grow great. Our website is growgreat.com. Leadership challenges. Everybody's got leadership challenges. So today, Lisa and I are going to talk about, we're going to kind of use uh, an article from Indeed, Indeed.com. UHR folks, y'all are really familiar with that, all you job hunters. Um, this was in 2021. Seven leadership challenges and how you can conquer them. Now, I got news flash for you. There's way more than seven. They, they did address seven. And so, Lisa, I'm going to, I don't know, I kind of I kick this off, but I'm going to be interested in, in, in your perspective. Let's start with external challenges, because in the article, they mentioned that external challenges can include things like insufficient resources, a shortage of funding, employee objection and resistance, social issues among employees inside the company uh, or the organization. So before we kind of dive into their list of seven, I don't know. What are your thoughts about external challenges like that? And in the world of city government, what leaps to your mind as some of the top challenges that, that you would deem as external challenges? Budgets have got to be in the mix there somewhere. It kind of depends think. on what they're talking about from an external standpoint, because there's kind of two approaches to this. External can be uh, one, the, the biggest challenges right now is just people, you know, 75% yeah. of our budgets are people mm -hmm. and we're having a horrible time as I know many are around our state because I'm in, I discuss those in our groups every week, uh, in our HR groups amongst hundreds of mm -hmm. HR professionals, we can't find them yet. They keep telling us there's so many unemployed, there's so many underemployed, which right. means they're in a job less than what they should be doing. They have more value than they are getting paid for, right? Mm -hmm. um, so underemployed and unemployed. Um, so that's that's a big challenge for us is finding people for our slots and where are they? Why can't we find them? Why can't we find students for lifeguarding when we know that they are out there and seeking jobs? Uh, secondly is the environment with the great re resignation of paying people. We've only got in, in public sector, we are not profit driven. We've got a pot of money that has to pay for everything from our buildings, to our people, to our benefits, to our offices, to, you know, just it, it's one bucket of money, just like you have at the house mm -hmm. in your personal budget and you cannot overspend it. Right. So you spend $60,000 on a $40,000 job. You've just lost 20,000 to spend on something else mm -hmm. and you have to spread that wealth. So, the budget and the economy right now driving uh, rates of pay to an unsustainable trajectory is difficult. We want to pay people competitively and well. We want to absolutely take care of our people so that they can keep food and shelter and all that over their heads, right, in a, in a positive way. Those external sources to me are huge. And then um, just generally for so many cities, uh, external are um property do they can they still build or are they built out right because mm -hmm. if you cannot grow you have to re you have to live on your existing property taxes and sales taxes unless you can bring in more 
But right. if you're built out, is there anywhere else to develop? That's a challenge for some cities and not for others. Um, some cities are a huge sales tax base. Others are a huge ad valorem with mm -hmm. your property taxes. Right. Um, so, you know, COVID really made cities feel that impact when people weren't out and weren't buying or they decided to buy differently. Everything was delivery, mm -hmm. right? You see those delivery platforms completely changing and people having curbside pickup and yep. things like that. So those are the external sources that I can when, think of. When you, th when you think about it, the external challenges of leadership, what are, does anything come to your mind? What are the skills to overcome those challenges? That's the you have to be pointed way to in, ask it. Yeah, you have for external challenges, you have to be creative, innovative. I just went to a conference that I thought was super interesting that somebody said you have to be a disruptor. And I thought that was a great way to look at it. You have to be willing. And what does that mean? Uh, you have to, to be you. willing to get out there and just do things differently and try things and yeah. not succeed and try again. You know, I think they had a quote, and I'm sure I'm going to butcher it, but I think it was by Thomas Edison, and it says, I haven't failed. I've just found 10,000 ways not to do it. Right. Right? Yeah. So that, uh, the disruptor is just, and that came from Leonard Martin, and I'm hoping we'll have him as a guest on here. And I thought it was so amazing that he was just like, you know, you just got to do things different and not follow the curve. Just just yeah, you can't different. be a, you can't be a lemming. If you're a lemming, then you're going to go off the cliff with the rest of the herd. So that's right, that's right. So it's that's what I'm thinking on. You know, for me, what you have to have to survive is to be flexible and adaptable and creative, and just find a different way. And that's what we're trying to do now. We're all trying to find a way in this new hiring environment to sustain ourselves and there will be a solution. It's, it's trying to figure out who's going to come up with it first that works for their organization. Yeah. And that solution isn't going to work for everybody. No, but it's going to work no, for us when we right. identify it. And, and I should have said at the outset that by external, you know, is, is mostly these things that aren't, aren't they're not in our control. Well, they're not, they're not personal in the sense that they, they, they don't really. They don't have anything to do with, with the way that you're wired, the way that your right. team is wired. They're not driven by personality. They're not driven, you know. It's the internal challenges that are mostly driven by by those things in sure. us, and those challenges obviously are things like like fear and a lack of confidence and. You know, I, I need to be more patient. I mean, they can be any any variety of those kinds of things. That first list, these external challenges. I mean, by and large, it seems the number one skill, no matter how you implement it, no matter how you practice it, is decision making. Is how are you going to make? How are you going to face this? How are you going to solve this problem? What decisions are are you going to make? And increasingly, I don't know. It's worth having a bit of a momentary conversation here about the ability for people to think critically. So well, as a professional, I'm curious your perspectives on that. You know, I think before you can even be the problem solver, you have to be adaptive. Uh, if I find so long in my career that it is very difficult for people to change. 
it's very hard for them to adapt. And if you don't adapt, you will not survive it. And how many businesses did we see close during COVID that didn't adapt to COVID, thinking it was just going to go away, that kept doing business the way they've always done business, and they didn't survive. Um, so I think first and foremost, we have to be adaptable and willing. We've talked about willingness and willing to see that there's a new or different way and start working on it immediately to solve, to be the problem solver. But if you're unwilling to change, you aren't going to solve. Well, it's right? that famous phrase, you know, hand what, hand. yeah, that famous phrase, you know, what, what got, what got you here won't get you there necessarily. That's right. That's you know, right. but I think that's, I think that systemically is a big, is a big leadership problem, especially, I think it can be true for especially a more novice leader because now you're still very close to what started your trajectory. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm much longer in the tooth than you are. So it's hard for me to go back. You know, some of my first opportunities came, I think, because I was just a good employee. I, I, I didn't blindly follow orders. I wanted to know the reasoning behind it, but my, my need to want to know that was purely curiosity and for my own growth, it was not to challenge the order, right? It was to understand it because I wanted to, I wanted to learn the game. I wanted it to was learn. genuine, not necessarily self-serving yeah. for, yeah. for and, you to go up. Correct. And I think yeah. it, it came across that way. And I think, I think even though I didn't learn willingness until much later, early on, I think it was the fact that I had such a high degree of willingness that got me the opportunities. So I'm not going to sit here and say, well, it was because I was a, I was a stud at this or that or the other, you know, I just had that, but the closer you are to the beginning, I think of the leadership journey, the easier it is to, to fall prey to, Hmm. Okay. Well, that got me this job that got me this promotion. And so it's, it's understandable that we get stuck. We don't disrupt as the speaker advised. It's going to be interesting um, as, as the listeners look at themselves on these and as we go through these, because so much of this also can be impacted by how you were served in your journey by others. Yeah. If you were served poorly, you can either rise above it or you're going to fall victim to it. And it's a really hard, I'm not saying people cannot overcome it, much harder if you've lived in an environment for a long time that's destructive to overcome that until you have somebody that one gives you a chance and two sees that in you and and encourage you encourages your growth to become better because of that experience right and it's really i think so much people don't understand sometimes how much impact they have on another person until for much further down in life yeah Right. No, I agree. Um, so I, I think that's important to understand in that in that journey of those around you are going to really influence your initial reactions as a leader, and then you're going to have to have really strong leaders around you that can pull you up and help you move through the challenges and see things differently. As we talked about adaptability, the hardest thing in my career is really helping people that are experts see a different way and it's not bad i'm not saying that as a negative it's just a difficult journey because you have to be curious like you've talked about and ask a lot of questions and i i've gone and said okay could we do it 
could we do this differently? And it starts out as, I don't think so. Right. Um, but what, but what if, what if we use the system to do X? Well, the system is not designed that way, but what if we found a field and what if we, you know, I'll keep questioning it, and then all of a sudden they're like, well, actually, yeah, if we could figure that out. And once you start teaching that way of thinking, mm-hmm. and I've, I've been fortunate to have a team of eager, I call them sponges. They are eager to learn. It doesn't, one of them's been in work for 30 years and another one's been in work for five, but right. they are eager to learn a new way and make a difference and make an impact. And I hire for that. I mean, I'm looking for those attitudes. Sure. You don't have to be the expert. I just need you to have, like you said, willingness, Randy, attitude, and some knowledge where you are willing to learn and be challenged for growth. Because those are the teammates on our team, which we have almost all of them, willing to make a difference and soak up that learning and apply it and seek advice. And those are the it makes it very easy to become a high performing team or to strive for that when they are open to those kind of things and changing the way we do business to make it better. You can Google, you can Google leadership challenges and you'll see all kinds of lists because I did. And I was rather amazed it, and it didn't make the indeed.com's list. And these are not, they didn't put these in any numerical order. Uh, there's just a, a few of them. But it's amazing, uh, before we dive into these, how many began with humility. That humility was the... And I only bring that that up because we're pretty proud of our leadership recipe. Uh, It has been proven over many years. Um, It it hasn't been disproven. It's open for challenge. Uh, Anybody is, is welcome to challenge it. But it's why it begins with humility. Um, and explain it. If somebody hasn't listened to humility, Randy, in a nutshell, just tell them what that is in your opinion. You define it well. Well, I, you know, and I don't define it really so differently than, than the way I define leadership. I mean, that's kind of the irony of the thing. I mean, if, if leadership is a focus on others, well, humility is as well. Uh, and at the same time, I, I think people can misread humility and think, well, it's a, it's, it's self-deprecation. It is, uh, it's not thinking highly of yourself. And I always correct people and say, no, it's not thinking too highly of yourself. I mean, you gotta, you gotta think of yourself. You gotta have pride. Yeah. You've got to think of yourself highly. Just don't think of yourself too highly. You know, you can't think (laughs) of yourself as, as being the most important in the room person in the room. The smartest person in the room is probably the easiest you know, way to approach it. I don't know. I'm just naturally wired. I know what I know. I don't know what you know. Right. So I need to find out if I'm going to leverage your insights and your experiences and your know-how, then the only way I know to do that is that second recipe ingredient of curiosity. But if I don't have humility, I don't have curiosity and it all falls down. You know, it's just a house of cards. If I can't build a foundation on enough humility to know, you know, I may not have this right. I may not be looking at this right. And I don't think there's anything that's negative about that of, of being self-deprecating or thinking lesser of yourself. It's just, I don't think there's anything wrong with that kind of questioning to make sure you get it, you get it right. 
I've gone on record and said that the reason that I started down that path many years ago is because I'm highly, highly, highly intuitive. And I've, I've got a, a fairly strong track record. Intuition is, is pretty stinking accurate for me. But very early on, I got something wrong. Funny how that works. You know, funny how the lessons that we learn in our leadership challenge, they don't come from all the smooth waters. They come from, you know, the rough seas. And I hit a rough sea and I'm like, man, I can't believe I got that wrong. I mean, I got it way wrong. Right. And that's when I got introduced to what has become known. You'll find books about this. You can Google it. Evidence-based leadership. I'd never heard of evidence-based leadership. An evidence-based leadership is not leadership where you set about to do something. And so now you try to find facts to support your thesis. It's the opposite. It's mm -hmm. how can I, let me look at this and then let me conclude whatever I'm going to conclude. Yeah. And humility, it, it's, it's so much not about you and it's about others. It starts with that. You know, we talked about that. I'm not going to go into great detail here because we've got a whole episode, uh, a whole podcast on that topic, but it is truly about what others think and what others can bring to the table and researching you, like you said you're not the smartest person in the room listen to what others have to say because guess what they might have something good to say that contributes well that makes us better why would we not want that especially when as leaders my staff you know knows i always say i'm flying at, i'm flying at thirty thousand feet what i right. think i believe to be true may not be true because I'm not the one doing the process or the ones I empower my team. And I might not be aware of the current process. I might know of the one we did a year ago because I'm not boots right. on the ground. You're not in it every process. day. And I don't want them not being able to make a change without asking me. Yeah. I want them empowered to make a change that's better for the team, but just educate me on the change. So I'm, if, I, if others ask, I've got the basic process. Right. I'm referring people to the right person or I'm, you know, telling them where to go. That's correct. Telling them nicely where to go. As yeah, a matter of fact, right, right. <laughs> like to the website, perhaps. Yeah. Okay. The first thing that indeed.com. And again, these are not in numerical order so far as their article, at least pointed it out. But the, the very first thing that they mentioned was, is interesting to me. Too much pressure leadership challenge of too much pressure. Now I don't know about you, but that wouldn't have made my list. Would oh, that, that makes my you... list. Okay. Well, let's hear it. Well, from, for us, uh, I, I kind of equate pressure and pace. Okay. Pace is a real challenge for us. Um, and so many, I, I imagine there are so many other cities around the United States like us, and this isn't a bad thing. I love the fact that we move fast. We don't linger and just evaluate things to death. You know, mm -hmm. we, we come up with an idea. We tell them what we think. They let us move on it. We make a decision. We move forward. If there's a hiccup, we're allowed to make the mistake. We recover from it and we keep moving. So I love the fact that our pace allows us to move fast. But that challenge of pace also can make you're trying to juggle, you know, I call it plate spinning. Mm -hmm. I'm spinning plates on my head, on my each finger, on my toes. Yep. I'm doing a hula hoop. Yep. Um, you've got 90 plates spinning simultaneously. Some are crashing to the floor. You're picking up another one to try to keep it spinning. So that challenge of just um, time pressure, I think is what it said, right? Pressure. Too much pressure. 
too much pressure. There is just so much going on and the demands and expectations are so high consistently and constantly mm -hmm. that it can become a real challenge to keep people motivated, motivated, which is what they're talking about now. If you're reading any articles yep. uh, on the great resignation is burnout. People right. are getting burnt out. They're tired of going that fast continually without a break to just evaluate. And, and I know in HR, probably city manager's office, probably our legal teams, probably our streets departments, we are constantly fixing and cranking stuff out. Right. And sometimes you don't have time to really just stop for a second and say, what do we need to be doing to make it better for us? because we are solving everybody else's issues and there's too many backed up to get to your own, right? So what you suggest want to fix something, you just don't have the time to do it unless we work 12 hours or 16 hours and none of us want that for our teams because our city's big on work-life balance. So it's this constant juggling, constant, you know, I have to tell my staff, if you don't get in crisis mode, if you're getting behind, come talk to us, tell us what you're working on, and we'll shift priorities, check with the department, see what we can move and ebb and flow. Well, that's um, what I was going to ask. How do you alleviate the too much yeah, pressure? That's challenge? how we have to do it. It really, It's really hard for our younger, um, and I'm not saying younger in age, our younger in tenure, younger in career. Right. Because the, when I interview, I, ha I ask about pace, and they're like, oh, I love a fast-paced environment. I said, no, that's not this. That's not this. This is... Hyper this speed. Is hyper, and that's how I explain. It. I said this is hyper speed pace. Over, we have over two hundred tasks of things we need to fix on our list. Li literally, right now, if you pulled them down, right, we can't get to that many. No. You won't ever get your inbox cleared in a day. You won't ever get all your emails cleared in a day. It's learning how to manage the time in the day. The pipeline the will continue issues. to be filled. That's correct, and that's good for us. Uh, and I always tell them, you know, that's really good because we have value added in our city. Right. They would not be coming to us to help solve if they didn't trust us to solve. Well, so one way that you that you solve this leadership challenge for yourself is to hire to hire for that skill, to hire for the right. personality that might be might be a little more prone to accept pressure as a good thing, right? As opposed to somebody that can feel like the pace is overwhelming. Yeah. What else yeah, do you I, do? So well, you, you, you mentioned divide and conquer. We so. divide and conquer, man, obviously time management. It's a lot of uh, really, for us and our team, it's really helping our individuals learn to manage time mm -hmm. because that is the biggest challenge I've seen on the team is they get overwhelmed. There's so much to do. They're really good for several weeks at a time, um, reasonably. And then all of a sudden, it just keeps piling and piling and piling. And they feel like they're such high performers, they don't want to let anybody down. That's the challenge. Well, so what, is it, so, so, what does it look like? so what does it look like when you see them getting bogged down? Um, usually, it is either we can tell, like, the, you know, you can just, if you're intuitive, you've talked about being intuitive, yeah. you can yeah. sense it. You can tell they're just kind of frantic. And I'll, we usually will call them in or I'll come in and check on them. I'll say, hey, you know, how's how's the week going? You, I know you've got a lot on your plate and I just kind of open it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, I just I just feel like I've got five workers comp claims I haven't been able to get to. And do you see it in slower? Do you see it in slower output, though, or anything? I mean, is there any? No, is there, okay. no, they are cranking stuff out. 
but they feel like so they you just can't notice get something out quick you enough. just notice something personally correct in their, in their behavior Whereas, in you know i say we're fairly small we're 14 people yeah we're yeah. all in one area i right. walk through every day just checking on people so you notice yeah at the beginning of the day at the end of the day um, sometimes I only get around like three times a week, you know, just cause I've got my own demands, Right. but I just check, I can notice a facial expression. Um, I noticed sometimes they're just, they might be tearful. They, they, you're just, you walk in on them and I'm like, Hey, are you okay? Is it something you want to talk about? Or you want me to come back? And they'll tell me, no, come back or, or they'll come into my office. Cause there is, we've got a very safe work environment. People trust us. We don't talk about everybody's business. They know they can come to their leadership team and we will help them through whatever they're going through. See, and I think that's a big component of how you alleviate the too much pressure leadership challenge is because number one, you're, you're kind of, you're a calm leader. You know, you're, right. you're not, you're not frenetic. I'm not frantic. On, no. no, you're not a hair on fire, uh, kind of a leader. And, and I don't you, like that. No. I don't like hair on fire at all. And I don't want my leaders to be like yeah. that because people, People on your team recognize that. They recognize you being frantic, and then guess what? They don't want to ask right, because they feel right. like you're frantic, and I'm just going to make you more frantic, yeah. so I'm going to be part of the problem, and they don't want to be part of the problem. And the audience should know that Lisa is very much a to-do list person. She is very much – she's very task-oriented, and she likes knocking things off. So when she says that they've got these 200 things, don't take that as she's just nonchalant about it. She wants those 200 things taken care of as quickly as she can get them taken care of. That's right. She just understands and accepts the, the reality. The other thing that you do is, you know, we did an episode about, you know, our, our humanity as leaders and you, you do that really well. In my opinion, you know, she, she gets her group together. She checks in, she did it through COVID via zoom. She does it in person. Um, there, there is this personal element. It is not threatening in any way. It is not intrusive. It is not trying to get people to overshare who may not want to overshare. Yeah. It's just, and I think that helps your group with, with focus. I think it helps your group. I mean, I think they, they're a reflection of you in that regard, I think. Well, and as leaders, we, you know, people may be listening and going, gosh, that's, uh, that's, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to have to check in on my people every day. And, and I'm not saying you do that works for our group. That's what our group I've learned over time needs, um, through these conversations and through checking in on them and through these gatherings where, you know, we, we, we would say one word, um, you know, we'd get on a zoom and I'd say, okay, everybody think of one word, how you're feeling this week. Yeah. And I didn't tell them in what context, just right. one word. Right. And, and they'll say anxious uh sad right um excited you know you get all these 14 different words and then the next question i ask is okay pick one person what does they think that meant to you so you start seeing how people perceive you said sadness well i think it's because you've got a lot going on personally that i know about and they're like no actually my mom's cat died last night, you know, or whatever. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? But it, yeah. it teaches them to be, have compassion that what right. you think to be true may not be true. So That's don't right. assume let's ask. Yeah. And then I'll say, now share why you're, if you're willing to share why you're sad. Right. And they'll say, well, it's just been a rough, I don't want to share personally. It's just been a rough week in my family and that's fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's, man, have we grown as a team when you can start having safe conversations like that? 
Yeah. Um, and juggling, you know, juggling that. Well, we're getting so. ahead of ourselves. So the next one on their list is uncomfortable conversations. Now, you and I did an episode about this, so we, we don't have to dive too deeply into it. But leadership, the second leadership challenge that they mentioned, again, these are not in numerical order, was uncomfortable conversations. We clearly know that that's true because we devoted an episode to it. And I'm not saying that we did an exhaustive episode. I'm sure it will come up again in the future because you and I see this over and over and over, over at every over. level of supervising is people just avoid the difficult conversation. Well, there's two things. They either avoid or it takes them too long to get there. And if you don't tie it closely to the actual event, it's destructive because the people are going, why did you choose now? That happened 10 days ago. Yeah. Why am I just now hearing you? You're frustrated about it. And since then, I've done that three other times. Right. Right. So it's yeah. not now fair. I'm convinced you're keeping a notebook on me. You're, That's correct. You're I call, you know, score it, of people, everything. People have heard my episode when I've talked about this on our episodes. I call it dinging. Mm -hmm. They're keeping dings in the book. Yeah, right. Ding, you yeah. you know, ringing the bell. Ding, there it is again. Ding, you said it again, but you haven't told them about it. Right. So here they're continuing to do it, and all you're doing is now getting more irritated the more it happens. Yeah. And and the common thing, Randy, we see we've talked about is. You know, I'll tell them it's at the end of the day. I don't want to catch them today. And then tomorrow, man, it's first thing in the morning. I don't want to catch them now. Oh, they're heading to lunch. Oh, no, now they had a meeting. I don't want to, I don't want to get them right before they go into the meeting. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's right. all these. Yeah, we talk ourselves excuses. out of it. We talk ourselves out of it. Exactly right. All right. Well, let's. Don't do that. That's my that's no, the don't challenge. Do don't do that. <laughs> let's talk about this last one. Okay communication issues and it's it's a, some somewhat of a take on the previous one but but not just the difficult conversation you know it's just poor communication and it can be poor communication on our team it can be poor communication on our part it can be poor communication on the part of people that are talking to us and it can absolutely destroy all effectiveness of leadership. So just when it comes to just communication in general, if we just put it all in one big mixing bowl and we start kneading this dough called communication. 26 for, years in this industry. Yep. Number one issue on every organizational review that I've done. And when I say organizational review, the departments will call me, come right. in, do a customer survey, do yep. an employee satisfaction survey simultaneously and get feedback, number one issue is always communication. Exactly what you talked about, because think about, <clears throat> just like this podcast, it's all about communication. Mm -hmm. People coaching us, communication. Us coaching them, communication. Telling about our organization, communication. Media relations, communication. Everything we do, whether private, public sector, nonprofit, 90% of our work, we're communicating something. Mm-hmm. And you have to do it well, and you have to do it with, uh, occasionally you're gonna have to do it on the fly, but generally you have to think through what are we, what is the message we are trying to send? What is the idea, as you call it, the ideal outcome? And how are we gonna get there by communicating well? Poor communication is going to get you every single time, and it will be the demise if you don't, if you don't get it under control of your organization, your group, your team, yep. your city. I'll begin, you know, my, my, 
my take on the whole communication issue. The communication challenge, the leadership challenge of communication is active listening is the phrase that you hear, which sounds like, okay, like, like, what does that mean? Like, what are the, what are the kind what of, are the kind what are there? the kind of listening? And it probably is, is partially why I leaned so hard into that very first leadership recipe of humility, uh, of, of maintaining some sense of, of limitation your own with the acknowledgement. I don't know everything. I don't understand everything. And I realize that I may never, well, I won't ever, but I can understand more. And the only way that I can do that is I've got to, I've got to listen to the other person. So for me, I think about communication challenges for leaders. And I think of, I think of that because so frequently as leaders, we feel like, well, it's kind of the, the news from the mountaintop, right? I mean, we, we come down, we're on the mountaintop and we've got all the stuff to say. And the irony is those of us that have an official title or position over the shop floor where the work is actually done by and large, the best problems get solved. The biggest problems get solved by those who are closest to the work, not those of us who are in some position that has a title attached to it because we're not doing this work every day, mm-hmm. you know, but meanwhile, Susie, Susie's doing this data entry of this thing and it's all Susie's doing. And every day Susie is thinking, I don't know why they don't fix this. I don't know why they don't fix that. And you think, well, if Susie worked for somebody that she felt comfortable enough to say, you know, every day I do this and it, it's, we could cut this from five steps to two steps. If we would just get out of our own way, mm-hmm. you, you know, I can't tell you how many Susie's I've run into over the course of my career that you realize, well, I'll ask the question, you ever gotten customer service or something on the phone or on chat and you have to give them your name and maybe you give them an account number or something. And then you have to give it to somebody else. The, when they transfer you. Yeah, and you're like, I, I just, y'all have got. I've given it five times right. on this call. Okay, well, the <laughs> reason they do that is because they've just got, they've got a process. And their process is broken. Yeah. And we think, well, yeah, but that's them. Our processes aren't, you know, aren't broken. And so that communication of, of the person boots on the ground, as we sometimes say, being able to communicate to leadership about that thing. But really for me, it kind of starts with the whole active listening and the act. I'm even soliciting communication. I want to hear from you. I want to hear what your problems are. And for me, it probably stems from just how I view leader leaders and leadership. We're there to help these people perform. We're there to help these people grow and improve. We're here to help them get their work done more effectively, more efficiently and better. Otherwise I'm not, I don't know why we exist philosophically. I just don't know why, why, then why am I here? Because I'm not, you know, Susie's entering all this stuff. I'm not, I, I'm not dad entering anything. Okay. So why does, why does Susie need me? Well, because if I've got a position of some authority, I can make her life easier. I can make her work go way smoother and way faster. You know, I can cut through all the crap 
mm-hmm. and and kind of get there. So I think about that with with all the communication stuff. But for me, it really and I've buried the lead as I am want to do. Intent. Talk to me about how you feel about communication and, and our communication problems and challenges as leaders that might be based on our intent. Well, let me let me start with this and help me circle back if I forget. Yep. I kind of thought of there's three principles I've lived by and I've communicated over and over uh, either to people that I'm coaching, people that were just talking about it, uh, teaching it, etc. One is so often I tell them it's not the message, it's the delivery of the message, right? It's not what we said, it's how you said it yeah. um, that's the problem. I coach on that over and over. So think about think about the delivery of what you're trying to say and ensure it really is an effective method of delivery. But see, I think that's completely congruent with intent. Yeah. Well, you, you, know. ha- you I have mean, if to my intent that. is to dress somebody down, then that's going to sound way different than my intent is I really want to help you get this I bring, lift problem you up. solved or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. So number one is that is that it's not the message, it's the delivery, you know? Yep. Number two, I tell people, there's a million ways to say no, find a different one. Yeah. Right. I mean, right. just right. And, and that kind of the no can be a lot of different things, but there's a million ways to give bad news. Just find a different one that's compassionate and that, you know, you got to know your people, man. You just got to by different, by different. Do you mean different than just saying no, or do you mean, so if I have to say no, multiple times, then I need to be able to say no in multiple different ways. So I don't, so I'm not, I'm not a broken record. No, it's the, it's the whole theory of Randy, stop doing that. You're an idiot. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's a totally different message. That's it. There's a million ways to say no, find a different one. Randy, I don't think that was the most effective way we could have probably done that. Let's think about another way that in the future we can change that. Right. Right. We can say that differently to the customer. Yeah, so we shouldn't just dismiss How do you and think say, that went, Randy? Yeah. Early, like I thought? Yeah. yeah, so we shouldn't just say, listen, there's the door. Get out of here. I don't Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let the doorknob hit you. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, so, so that's kind of my number two principle in communication. And the last one is, is uh, don't be destructive. Be constructive, right? Don't – I think I always appreciated when you and I talked and you would say – if somebody dresses you down in public, it's okay to dress them down kind of back. I forgot you, you phrased it differently. Well, Where, I just learned and I learned in coaching, I learned in coaching kids years and years and years ago. And I made a comment because I had a kid behave poorly in the locker room and I, I immediately corrected him. Now I didn't know, I, I've kind of always had this philosophy. It's just my philosophy. It may not be yours. I'm not advocating that people but I corrected him because he, he misbehaved in front of the whole team. And I said, I'll never correct any of you in front of the whole team, unless you misbehave in front of the whole team. And I said, and and I'm never going to correct you in front of the whole team on anything to do. This was hockey on anything to do out on the rink. You know, this isn't performance, but behavior stuff, you misbehave in front of the group. You're going to feel my wrath in front of the group. Yeah. And I just, 
I adopted it from that moment forward right. and, and, you know, and it has worked, but that's different than performance. Right. You know, then I have heard leaders. I've been in meetings, terribly tense, terribly uncomfortable where somebody's being called on the carpet in front of the group for something that's work related, not behavior related, something that is work related, something that is performance based. And I'm like, and what good do you think you're accomplishing here? Right. You, know, you just call this person out in front of all their coworkers. You might as well just go ahead and give them the cardboard box and take their keys. I mean, well, you, again, all that reflects on is the person calling them out because yeah. now they're thinking, well, that person's a jerk and whether they think they might be making a point right. to prove to others, all that everybody else saw is good gosh. Why did right. they do that in front of everybody? They look like an absolute That's jerk. Right. But I've also been in meetings where someone behaved completely inappropriately, completely insubordinate. I've seen this with the director. I've seen a director have a team member that literally got in their face in a meeting and it's like, yeah, okay. There needs to be a lightning bolt come down yeah. in front of the group because if you don't, I mean, well, you can tell what's going to happen. You know, there's going to be no respect. Oh, you know, and I've had don't. that many moons ago happen and they, they stood up and were in my face in a meeting. Absolutely. Not yelling or anything, just right. absolutely disrespectful. Yeah. And I said, uh, guys, excuse me just for a minute. Step out of the room. And I just pulled him out and sent him home. I said, we're not doing this today. You go home and think about this. Don't come back tomorrow till you hear from me. And I said, yeah, see, that's I, one. I said, that's one where I would have handled it in front of the whole group. I would. Yeah, that's where. No. That's where the lightning bolt. That's well, because I like, didn't want to derail. Yeah, I didn't yeah, want to derail the comp. The the what we were trying to do, and they were just out of control. And so I just was like, no, we're we're not doing this. So you go home. I'm going to finish up with the group, and we'll talk tomorrow. Because I it, had to calm down too. I was pissed off. You it know? does bring up a good point though with communication challenges for leaders. I know everybody wants the formula. I know everybody's looking for the secret, but it there doesn't, is no secret it sauce. Does, but it doesn't exist. No. So the difference between Lisa and between me, so she handled it that way completely appropriately. I, I would not have handled it that way. Person does, does that to me in front of the group. You're going to feel my wrath in front of the group. I'm going to dismiss them. I'm going to tell what, what you told them perfectly fine. I would just do that. I would have told them in front of the group. I'm not saying that you should have, cause I don't right. think you should, cause that's just not who she is that that's way more who I am. And Lisa heard me from our first engagement for however long, you know, that we kept, we kept working together as a coach and client, you know, lean more into, into who you are. And I think that really plays to this issue of communication issues. Well, and I think it's also Randy, a good example of either of these ways could have been right for our situation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So there is no, there is no one way we can tell you all day long. This is what I did. This is how I handled it. But for you and your situation, when you're in that moment, you're going to have to just do the best you can reflect on it and see what you could have done different or better. And you just grow from there because there is no, your situation will never be the exact one that I had. And my situation, Randy will never be the exact one you had. No, right. The same people, right. the that's same right. circumstances, the same that's situation, right. the same out outburst, whatever it was. Well, and so I have, you to, have be... to handle it with the best knowledge and 
Yeah, and I and I have to be I have to be careful because people can say, well, you know, then that's see in my mind, and this is where I sometimes get challenged because people people want to ascribe certain things to to what what's going on in your head, and there's no way that you can do that. By the way, you can think that you know what the other person's thinking, so you could that scenario that you painted and the way that you handled it and you freely admitted, okay, so you were pissed off. So that's how you handle it. Okay. Well, I would be too. I just wouldn't be that shy about showing it. And the reason that I would do it, number one, it's congruent with my personality. Number two, and this really is number one, <laughs> I'm doing it for the, I, I would be doing it for the team, right? I would want this team to understand we don't tolerate this. We're not going to behave this way. And number two, I'm doing it for the person who's the offender. They don't need, they don't need to be let off the hook. Right. You know, we did an episode about accountability and response. So this person, they need to be forced in my opinion, in front of the group to accept this response. And the third thing, and I've had this happen is sometimes in that moment, they apologize. Well, now that's a bit of a game changer. And I've had countless leaders saying, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't think no, about I, it. I never thought of that possibility. Well, if they did it in front of the group, I'm now giving them an opportunity. You want redemption here. I don't say it, but they have a moment where they, I've actually had somebody say, you're right. I apologize to you. I apologize to everybody. You know, I was out of line. Then we just move on like nothing happened. Right. Okay. Well, the, but, but these communication things, I don't know. I mean, communication is your arch nemesis, man. It, it just, I've seen it destroy, destroy departments when it's done poorly. And I've seen it completely alter the trajectory of departments as well. well what's positively. the culprit? Is there, is there some big overarching culprit in your mind? Usually almost always when I've experienced it, it's simply lack of, they just don't talk to their, they so don't, they under, they under communicate. That's the correct. They don't tell them what's going on. Okay. It's in silos. They just tell that work unit what we need to get done today, but they don't say, Hey guys, our goals this month, we're trying to get, I don't know. Why, why do you think Public that is? Works. I think um, it is just basically we're all trying to get our jobs done. You know, I talked about all these tasks, these two hundred tasks or whatever I have. I just we're think just they don't. Think, I just think the they list. don't think about it. Well, that's what I'm saying. You're so focused on your to do list, you don't focus on the overarching. What are we trying to accomplish and make sure everybody's in the same mission? It's the whole part. It's the whole why. Why are we doing what we do, and how do I have value and fit? Well, you've there's the rub. Keep, you got you, to keep those things in check for everybody because you can be better as a team because of it. Our if first session, I remember telling you, we have got to give people a story. We have got to right. tell, we've got to make sure that these people understand where they fit and how they can make a positive difference. And if we don't, they will write their own story and it will not be good. So we have got to, as leaders, as in the communication challenge, I think is accept responsibility that you're the author of the story. If you can't accept the fact as a leader that you are the author of the story for you and your team, if you're not willing to accept that, then I don't think you should accept leadership. 
I don't think you should accept a title. And if you think that you're going to have any effective leadership, meaning influence or impact, good luck. Because we need people to help us write better stories, which is a metaphor for our life. I want to get up in the morning and know that I make a difference. And I want to know that I'm fulfilling some purpose in the grand scheme of things. I'm not just some cog in a machine that this organization, this team, this department, they need me. I make a, I make a meaningful contribution as a leader to me. That's job one. We owe our people that story. If, if you fail at all kinds of other things, but you can succeed at that. I can promise you, you will be an effective leader. And the challenge with this is people listening may be going, God, just, we just do not have time to overshare and over communicate. Well, we're not asking you to over anything. We're just, what we're encouraging is that you keep people informed. You know, my husband, Don used to, I think he called them Monday morning meetings. Mm-hmm. He ran around 15 minutes or less to the entire team. It took them catch up. What is it? What are we trying to get done today? We got these nine jobs that need to be printed by noon. We've got this, let's hit our SLAs. What's going on in your world, Danny? What's going on in your world, Linda? What's going on in your world? How are we meeting that? Any problems? And they would just all get on the same page first thing. And his team always highest performing team at that company, minimal amount of errors because they knew the mission, they knew their purpose. They knew who they could go to, which was Don, yep. right? If, if, yep. if it's getting off course, because he would quickly course correct. Right. Right? And they knew he held them to that standard. If you don't hold your people to the standard, which I'm surprised that's not on the list, you got to have a standard. Yeah, that's and right. And hold them to it. It goes that's back right. to accountability. Yeah. If they know you're going to let them slide, guess what they're going to do? They're going to slide. Of course. You know? It's human nature. That's right. We get well, tired. Let me, I'll try to fix, I'll try to fictionalize and you'll see this footnote, by the way, on the website, we fictionalize stuff. It's true to life stories, but obviously we, we need to protect the guilty as well as the innocent. Um, and confidentiality for me as a coach, confidentiality is key. There's no betrayal of confidences ever. Uh, but so I'm, I'm with, this is very typical by the way. So I'm with a client, the client has a direct report and this this client f- finds themselves constantly defending to this person who who works for them and it just isn't working out it's just never working out and it's kind of we did an episode about accountability and whatnot and we we you talked about a third person go back and listen to that episode it was about leadership personal responsibility and accountability And Lisa's third illustration that she gave was of a person who's just constantly defensive. Okay. Well, that describes this particular, this particular employee, you know, for this leader. And so the employee comes to the boss and gives whatever has been asked for, but it's woefully incomplete. So basically the employee decided they didn't say this, but by their actions, they said this. Leader asked for something, but I'm going to give them this because that's all they need. And I said, okay, so what are you, what are, what are you going to do about that? Well, I'm going to explain. And so the leader goes into this lengthy explanation of, of why they need it 
basically they're going to go into full sales pitch mode with, with this person. Keep in mind, we're talking about a communication challenge, leadership challenge of communication. And so I'm listening. I'm listening. I said, yeah, you could do that. I said, there's another way that you could do that. That would probably serve the employee better. Okay. I'm listening. I said, well, you're you, I'm me. Keep that in mind. We were role-playing as Lisa knows. I'm pretty fond of doing. He, he likes doing it. Uh, <laughs> well, I do it. And it's because, productive. It really is. Yeah. I, I do it. Be, I do it because people just tell me, you know, just give me the advice and I don't give advice because Lisa's not me. So for me to give Lisa advice on the illustration that she just gave in a meeting to say, well, hey, you should do, that's not who she is. She shouldn't have handled that any differently, frankly, than the way she handled it, because that's congruent with who she is. And it would have been probably ineffective and inappropriate for me to handle it the way she handled it, because I'm not her. Okay, so there's that. So anyway, we're, we're role-playing, and I, I said, well, you could just say, this is great. Uh, when can I expect to have this other thing and this thing and this thing and the, these things that, that the leader asked for? And then you just shut up. Well, they look at me and they're like, yeah, I could, I could do that. And I said, well, I mean, which one do you think is going to be the most effective way to communicate to this person and to help them understand that you mean what you say, that this isn't a negotiation here. You know, I've asked you for, for these things, but instead of going into all of that, I don't know I me. Mean, why go into all that? Just ask him a question. When can I expect to have a B and C? I mean, it's great that you gave me D, but I also need a B and C. So when can I expect that? Well, my point, we think, well, I don't have time for all this. Effective communication, if you pre-think it. Now, the problem is you get in a conference room and somebody act, behaves insubordinate, and now you're just trying to think on your feet and figure out what. Kind of think ahead of time. What if somebody did that? What if somebody in front of your, somebody, a member of your team got up in a meeting and gave you a heart and was completely insubordinate? I don't mean that they won't kiss your ring. But I mean that they're, they completely misbehave. What are you going to do if we will prethink some of these things? So you just simply look at this person and say, when can I have a, B and C? Well, they're going to answer you. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, you know, you need those. Yes, sir. I told you I needed those. So when can I expect those? Every employee will understand that that's clear communication. I have found personally that clear, effective communication takes a whole lot less time than and honest, than, honest yeah, than, than being vague and, you know, kind of hoping around that, the bush, you know, I hate it when people beat it. Just tell me, I always appreciate, you know, my, we've talked about my boss before. I always appreciate, I was in a conversation with her recently and we've got a challenging project coming up. Not very many people have done it. Um, we're looking at ways to do it and, and we're looking at ways to do it fast. Right. Yep, right. And we know there may be, there may be challenges with the initial rollout and then future 
impact mm-hmm. and we can't solve for it. We, we acknowledge we cannot solve for the future impact quickly. It's going to probably have a little bit of uh, challenges and pain points along the way, but we know we're doing right by the people. So it's good, right? Yep. yep. Um, but it's still, nonetheless, there's going to be challenges. And she asked me the same thing. She said, you know, I need a plan and I got her the plan and I keep fighting for, you got to give us, you got to give us time not to do these other things. Like these other services need a halt for, for three or four months so we can get everything done well, correctly. And she's told me a couple of times, you know, probably not going to happen. Lisa, it's probably, you know, and as we talked through, I'm like, we really need this. Well, the recent conversation was Lisa. It ain't going to happen. You can <laughs> right. ask nine different ways. It ain't going to happen. And I value that. I value, okay, clearly there is not, that is not going to be an option, but at least I know for a fact that it's not just we, it might not be an option. It is not an option. So don't build that into the plan. I, me personally, I'd much rather have that. But you also know that you gave it a yeoman's chance that you, that you fought for what you believed. And I know her well enough to know that she's Correct. got respect for you fighting. And she listened. Yeah, she's got respect for you fighting for it. But at some point, the decision gets made, and it's like, okay, you need to bury that sales pitch because it ain't yeah. going to happen. That's yeah. right. But, you know, you also appreciate those relationships where likely, and I don't know, but likely she has checked with somebody, and they're like, no, that ain't going to happen. Right. You know, right. she didn't say it. She didn't throw anybody under the bus. It may be her own opinion. Right. It may, she may know well enough. That's just not going to be a feasible option. Um, but I appreciate that. And, and as we speak to communication in our other episode, mm-hmm. we've re- referenced, I could have become completely defensive. Right. Now, did I dialogue? Yes. We had good, strong dialogue. I said, this is, she goes, why would you think you'd need that? And I was like, this is why. And she's like, I don't think so. And here's why I don't think so. And I said, okay, good point. You know, we went back and forth, but it was healthy dialogue. It wasn't adversarial. It wasn't, um, now she, I, you know, I guess she could have perceived it uh, defensive, but I suspect she didn't. I suspected it was good, healthy exchange of this is why I believe it to be important. She, why she doesn't believe that that's going to happen. And you, at that point, as a leader, I can either say, I'm going to keep going down this path. Right. With bad outcomes <laughs> or right. I can accept what she's guiding me on. That's not going to happen. Don't build it in. And I've got to find another way to solve. And you know what? That's what I want to do. I want to serve her by finding a way that fits what she's asking me to do, too, because that's what our relationship is built on is me finding ways to solve problems for the team. Yeah, I know it's going to be painful. I can try to protect and limit the pain. That's my job right for my team for her for her the players it's going to impact all around us um but the good news is i respect the fact that she just tells me i hear you you've you've said it several times and you've you're trying to build it in it's not it's not a go we cannot do that piece but what you but what you hurt my feelings it's no it's clear what you ultimately achieved though was an understanding, which is really the whole point of communication. Right. I, I don't know what most people may think the point of communication is. I speak, you listen, I say, jump, you say how high, you know, that that's not effective leadership. It's, can we, can we share enough information? Can we do it openly and honestly and candidly enough taking into account the difference in how people are wired and their sure. processing power 
and can we communicate this so that they can understand what we understand that's right enough so that they understand where they fit in the grand scheme of things okay let's wrap this up let's give the audience let's give them let's give them some action tips if if we can if we can come up with something leadership challenges that's the topic so whatever the challenge is i would say number one you got to know know the environment know what you're working in know your culture and hopefully that is a good one and feed into that in your solutions and if that's it's not a good one, one. If it's not a good one, that is a, an entirely different focus. If your culture is poor, that is, needs to be on the top of your list as a city to fix first. Because you won't, you can hire people, you won't keep them, and they won't be happy, and it will be sour, and you will it will go south. I but mean, I'm like, but I'm like, but I'm like you. I'm 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 running out. Okay, you're HR, so you're touching every department, but you know. I'm, I'm running a, I'm, I'm running a smaller department or I'm a supervisor with a small team. I'm, I'm not on that fourth floor where the CMO and all the big cats are. So how am I going to, how am I going to, how am I going to chat? How am I going to affect that leadership challenge of the culture? It's just not what it ought to be. Well, you can affect it in your department. Bingo. You're in control. You know, I always say you're in control of you. You don't have, you don't have to create a bad culture because another one exists you can live a good culture because guess what you don't know where you're going to be in five or ten years from now and you might just be the person in charge that has an influence to change it well and you might just be the department that shows the others how that's right you cannot you cannot just follow what others are doing just because they're doing it you've got to lead what you believe to be true and right and live by that philosophy for those you're serving because remember you can serve down, out, and up, and maybe they will see a different way. But people are people. They are human. They are going to make mistakes, and they don't exactly do things the way we would, right, oh, that we yep. choose it in our life. So generally, don't let, it, don't let it rule you. So generally speaking, leadership challenges, and I know I'm painting with a roller, right. but leadership challenges, what other tips and advice have you got on how, how we can – how can we handle our leadership challenges, whatever they may be? And maybe they could be anything like, you know, fear. They could be a lack of confidence. I think All of us have suffered again, that. I think it's, it goes back to communication. You need to communicate well. You need to be watchful. You need to know what's going on in your organization. Uh, keep your pulse on, uh, on where your employees are and what is driving them crazy and what could be done differently and better and make sure you're involving them to solve for those. That's number one. The humility issue we talked about, you are not the smartest person in the room. They are boots on the ground. They are the ones doing the work. Trust them to give ideas on how to fix it. And then guess what? You have the influence to make it happen. But you gotta listen first. If you don't listen, you, you may not have any idea what they're actually uh, what they're actually suffering or being challenged with. And sometimes it's low hanging fruit that is so easily fixed. Right. You know, uh, that would be another uh, tip and point of advice. Obviously, we talked about communication, having humility. Um, my whole theory of uh, it's not how you say it. I mean, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Right. Right. Um, those are kind of my takeaways because that's what I coach on the most when I'm yeah. helping other departments. Right. It's just the lack thereof. They just don't do it. It's, it's all task driven, what we need to get done for the day. And the people are really left out of it. It's the work that they're focused on. Yep. 
but 70% of these cities are our people. I mean, that's our budget. Right. We don't do that well. Yeah. You're just going to be doing the same things over and over with fewer people to work with. Yeah. My, my parting shot would be leadership challenges, whatever they may be that, that you're facing, whether they're external, whether they're internal, meaning whether they're outside of you or they're inside of you, uh, would be the power of the mirror. Look in the mirror, accept responsibility for what you're going to do about it. And I would pose it as one simple question that is now what? I mean, here it is, whatever the challenge is, there it is. If you can write it down on paper, then you know what it is. That's right. And you may not understand all the details about it, but you can understand it enough to identify it. Then you've got to ask yourself the question, okay, now what? And the now what doesn't have anything to do with anybody except you. Right. Here's where other people are super, super powerful is because you can look in that mirror and you can see something. And I'm going to use a horrible example, but an anorexic person looks in the mirror and they see a fat person and they could be skin and bones. They just aren't seen due to some mental health issues. They just are not seeing themselves accurately. So the power, the, the power of the mirror is only powerful. If what you see is a proper reflection of who you really are. So for me, the leadership challenges really begin, they kind of begin and end with you. You know, it's who you are. It's what you are because that drives everything that you do. It drives all of your behavior. It drives all of your decision-making. It forms all of your philosophies and your biases. And I just, the more help you have with people that are safe, you and I continue to ballyhoo the whole psychological safety issue. And well, we should, because in too many cases and too many lives, it's absent. And if that's you, I'm sorry, but you've got, you've got people in your life. You've got people in your life who care enough about you that they want your very best and they won't use your weaknesses against you. Um, and that's what you're looking for. You know, people that can help you do that. So that'd be my parting shot. I'll give you the if, last word. If, if you haven't yet taken time, if you can't look back in the last year and, and specifically list one item that you have identified and are working on to be a better team member, a better leader, uh, whatever your particular role is, then you're not looking hard enough because we've all got something. So I would say focus on you and how you can improve and not just on the team members you're trying to get to step up because each of us, each of us should always be working on something to become better than we are today. All right. I should, I, you, you, I, I can't, I you can't, can't leave hit, it with I, just that. No, I can't hit. You told me I was going to have the last word. I right? know. Well, you are, you are. <laughs> So I got to think of something now. Go ahead. Yeah, you do. You have to think of something. <laughs> and the question is, so what are you working on? You want me to go first? Sure. Yeah. Well, how long have we got? You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm working on so, so many, so many things. You know, I'm, I'm honestly as a human, as a human and, and as a leader, um, and I seem to always be working on this. And I'm not saying this to, to sound patronizing or to sound, uh, falsely, falsely humble, uh, but gratitude, 
I just, you and I have talked before, Lisa and I both are, are pretty driven people. And so when we talked about the communication challenge, sometimes leaders just don't think about it. And sometimes I catch myself when it comes to gratitude, just not thinking about it. You know, Lisa and I've had some, uh, have been going through some, some she and Don and my wife and I, uh, through some, some personal, they're, they're not challenges, they're opportunities, but they're changes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Lisa and Don are significantly younger than me and Rhonda, but you know, we're not, we're not pups. We're not newlyweds anymore. And so change gets, change gets a little bit more difficult and you just find that the pace of life and the hectic nature of things. So I'm, I'm really leaning hard and I should have got this conquered by now. Cause I've worked on it off and on forever. It seems, you know, of just just gratitude, you know, just the, the count your blessings kind of a thing. Cause you get so focused on the challenges. You get so focused on the opportunities. You get so focused on, you know, what ails me and, and what do I need to be fixing? What problems do I need to solve? What fires do I need to put out? And, and probably it's come from, I've made no secret about it. You know, I've gone through, I've been going through a personal kind of purging of possessions uh, and man, how liberating has that been? You know, it's ridiculous. And there's the irony. The irony is that the more I've gotten rid of, the more I've let go of stuff, the more I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty grateful for the stuff that's left. I'm, I mean, I'm grateful to have let go. Um, I don't know. That's what I'm, that's, that's the big elephant in the room that I'm working on. What about, what about you? Me, there, there's actually kind of two areas and there are people that don't know me may think, well, that's fairly easy, but it's really not for me. One, one that is easy that I'm always eager. I'm an eager learner. It's just growth, trying to get myself out of the box of HR, which has been my whole life, right? I've been Mm -hmm. in HR my whole world and really trying to get exposure to other things so that I can uh, expand my wisdom. Uh, help our city, you know, bring ideas, more ideas to, I always try to bring ideas to the table, regardless of what role I'm in, but really trying to stretch myself and um, through working with Steve and Cheryl, just they're giving me city projects, not just HR projects, um, challenging thinking. And I love that. It's just giving me opportunities to stretch a little more. The podcast. You know, you never know where this journey is going to take us, mm-hmm. right, in life. And um, and so that that is exciting just to be able to have growth, but to be open to it because it's completely, you know, I I give the example, Cheryl, let me go to a innovation and transforming local government Mm -hmm. conference, all about innovation and innovation uh, that cities are doing. And it, it touched on so many areas outside of HR. It was fascinating for me because I don't see that. I'm not in that world to see it. I hear about it, so I, I could relate because I go to council meetings just to listen on sure. what is going on. And you didn't feel like a issues. fish out of water, did you? No, 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 <laughs> not at all. But I was like, oh my gosh, Cheryl, I took nine pages of notes. Are we doing right. this? Are we doing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I came back with, hey, this city was doing this, uh, you know, sidewalk stories. They were, it showed the history through their city of different parts of the city. And they, people that had lived there, people, they did artwork right. uh, and we're doing some of that already, but it was just some fascinating, simple things yeah. that I know would be a good fit for us. So it was just a different way to see things. That was one. The second thing is just balance. 
like you've talked about our journey mm -hmm. of, of what we're trying to move, uh, you know, move out of a house that we've been in for 25 years and then pursue what our dreams are long-term into retirement that is years out, but mm -hmm. still trying to balance that, balance work demands, balance my team so that they are living work-life balance. That's hard because they're, I see them, I see me and them at that mm -hmm. point in my career yeah, wanting to exactly. work themselves to death, right? trying to get them out, right? So those are my two balance and uh, just growth. It's just continuing to stretch myself beyond the comfort zone for my good. Yeah. Well, and we hope our audience, city. yeah, we hope our audience, we hope that we're part of your journey. That's the whole goal here at growgreat.com. Uh, the hope of the podcast is that we can help play some kind of a pivotal role in your growth and your, and your leadership. And we'd love challenges. to hear about them. Yeah, we would. We would. Man, I'd love to hear stories that people are saying, yeah, I'm trying to do this because you just never know, Randy might spur another topic. Yeah, that's exactly right. And if you want to remain anonymous, uh, uh, hello, anonymous, we'll let, we'll let you. It's not a problem, but <laughs> go to the website, growgreat.com. There's a, there's two pages I'll direct you to. The first is the contact page. You can fill that out if you want to share any insights or any experiences or, or things with us. Uh, there's a second page where we introduce ourselves. I think it's called hosts. Lisa's email address is there. My email address is there. But the contact form is probably the easiest way to do it. Uh, and we're both on LinkedIn. We get yep. lots of comments on LinkedIn and, and suggestions there. So any any of those that works for you, please share. Please uh, share with your friends, your coworkers, anybody that this might benefit and they might glean something from it. Um, not for our benefit, but for yours and theirs. Yep. We appreciate you clicking play. Thanks. Thanks for watching and listening to Grow Great, a city government leadership podcast. For Lisa Norris, I'm Randy Cantrell. Be well, do good, grow great. The website is growgreat.com.